Human design is a part science, part spiritual system that tells you who you came here to be. You have your own blueprint, your own way of becoming successful, your own way your dreams are going to come true, the way you'll experience the most joy and fulfillment. The instruction manual for how to move through the world is custom to you. When you act according to that manual, when you act as the real you, everything in life comes to you with more ease and less resistance. We all know we're different, yet we're still acting like there's one way to do life. Let's talk about it. To find out your design and the designs of the people in your life, you can visit myhumandesign.com or download the My Human Design app in the App Store and on Google Play. Hi everyone, welcome to another Q&A episode. I love doing these episodes because, you know, when you have read about your chart in your app or on our website, um, it's really important as well to, part of it is knowing the information, but the other part is actually how to apply it in real life. Like, how does it look? Um, How do you kind of take the information and distill it down so that it actually you can see the different aspects of your life that aren't so clear with more clarity so that's the intention of why um, I love doing Q&A's because it helps you kind of paint the, the the full picture in your actual life you know spiritual information and knowledge is one thing but how do you use it to improve your life that's the that's the important part so that's what we aim to do today with this Q&A and I have Taylor with me as usual. And we just pulled on Instagram and she's going to just read out some of the questions. Great. Okay. First one. Sometimes as an MG, I get frustrated and anxious waiting to respond. Does that mean I'm doing it wrong? Oh, that's a great question. I think um, two things are coming to mind. One is, is your mind getting in the way? Because the frustration and and anxiety sounds like it's coming from this belief of it has to come sooner because sooner is better than later, right? Things, not having things to respond to, like what what do you think that means? What is your mind telling you that means, right? So that's number one is trying to get rid of the stories that you have in your head about why not having something to respond to right now is bad. Because again, what's going to get you further is not having 25 million things to respond to. It's about having the right things to respond to. And then you actually, once you responded to them, actually do something about it, right? It's about the action that you take once you've responded, because that's, um, you know, you funneling your gifts through you is how, is what you do with that response. And you funneling and sharing your gifts is the thing that moves your life forward increases your personal power and your magnitude and you know who you become in this world the size of your of your energy and your essence the second thing is that the gut is always having things to respond to whether they're small or large so when you say you have nothing to respond to I also think that there could be some blocks you'd want to look at where um, you know what are you not allowing yourself to want either because you think that's bad desire can be such a dirty word and in our society, our Western society particularly, where wanting things is like, who are you to want stuff? You shouldn't want certain things. And I want never gets. I don't know if you were ever told that as a kid or similar messages. And, um, you know, secondly, because sometimes you have something to respond to and you have responded to it, but it's so small that you don't um, bite. So for example, if you respond to, I'm looking at like a little tassel on the table right now. And I'm just thinking like, if I responded to that as a, as an MG, 
but I just dismissed it because you just think, well, how could a tassel, you know, being lit up by a tassel, like that's insignificant. There's nothing too insignificant because what makes something significant is the size you take it to. So there's a couple things to look at in here. And I know that's a very nuanced answer, but I think it covers everything. And I think one of the things about spirituality these days is that we've become so used to being given like the stock one-liner type of answer, like, oh, it's just because you don't believe in yourself or, oh, it's because of this. And life isn't that simple. And even though we prefer, our minds prefer to be given this one answer that we can then just follow, this is about becoming your own energy reader. And so hopefully with every MG that's listening to this conversation can kind of address all these different things that I've just covered and say, "Mm, if I'm really honest, which one is more me or how much do I do this one? And that's how we actually change is is being really honest with ourselves about the different nuances and which ones we are um, playing into and not. Okay. And this one I think is timely because we just did the episode with Richard Rudd, which people loved that episode. I know you and I both loved that episode. Mm-hmm. And um, someone said, can you explain more about how Gene Keys and HD align? That episode was so interesting. It's a good question for me too, because I know you talked about it. You like mentioned that, but how do they actually align with each other? So the and I, he briefly touched upon this in the episode, but he was a student of Ra's in the very beginning. Like he was one of the first people that studied from Ra Ruhu, who's the founder of human design. And um, the numbers that are in your gene keys are lines or gates or gifts that you have in your human design chart. Both of those things are taken from the I Ching. The, the Chinese I Ching, which is the, the 64 different energies that we have to play with in this world. Um, and each I Ching gate goes so deep, which is really interesting because, for example, you take the number one, you know, gift number one. It can mean one thing on the surface. It means something else deeper. Like each one has such depth to it and such complexity where I couldn't necessarily say to you, it only means this. It means 25 million different things. So to really know the I Ching um, is like a deep lifelong study. And um, Richard has done his own separate I Ching study and interprets it in a different way than Ra does or has, let's say, picked out different parts that he thinks are more important um, and obviously described it in a different way. But basically how they align is that all the numbers in your I Ching, um, sorry, all the numbers in your gene keys are also gifts or gates that you have in your human design chart. He has just put them together in different sequences um, to apply to certain areas of your life because he said, okay, well, these specific, like for example, your sun personality um, gate is part of this sequence, which I think maps your, you know, your purpose. And then another one maps, there's other gates that he thinks maps can tell you a lot about how you love and all those kind of things. But if you look at all of your gene key numbers and you look at all of your gifts, they're the same. And when she's saying gifts, she's referring to what we call the gifts in the chart on the app, all of the numbers, you know, on some other program or other websites it might be called a gate Mm -hmm. on our app it's called a gift Mm -hmm. um so those numbers will correlate with your gene key numbers yes correct exactly so the way and even with me like the way i've described um the gifts in the app um versus the way that i have described the gifts in will describe the gifts in other places like it's just about how deep you want to go so you know richard is very deep 
Um, you know, if you've read his actual book called Gene Keys, he has a lot of books on Gene Keys, but there's one called The Gene Keys. And, you know, they're very, very deep um, books, but that's because he's so mystical and he's mm -hmm. so laid and he's so complex. Ra was more concerned about getting this information and not messing about. You yeah. know, he was very cut and dry, very direct. And honestly, there's beauty in both. I really think there is beauty in both. Um, so it's just about which one you lean towards, not being too dogmatic about it, using both because they're both communicating the same thing at the end of the day. And that's that's the important part. I mean, understanding yourself, period. Exactly. No matter what tool you're using, whatever yes. tool you resonate with most. Mm -hmm. Done. Yeah. Okay, so this one is interesting because we do get questions like this a lot where people, and I'm going to explain a little bit for someone to figure out this in their chart. So the question is, can having a spleen defined affect the response of our sacral? So when you're looking at a chart, you can have the far left triangle, which is your spleen colored in, mm. and you can have the sacral colored in, and which is the center square if you're on your app if you tap the centers it tells you exactly what that center is so if they're colored in this person has both of those things colored in and they're saying can that affect the response of the sacral okay so if you have both of those colored in what it means is that um well let's assume that also emotions are not colored in yeah in let's just example. assume <clears throat> now every single center in your chart has information to give you it's speaking to you so Basically, you as a person is is basically micromanaging a team of different voices. <laughs> so when we filmed the videos on your authority, um, which are on the website, I very much see that success is about trying to understand when each one can speak up, how much airtime to give each one, which one is appropriate to listen to at any given time. So your whichever one is your authority is always the one that gets to call the shots. And I describe this so much more detail in the, in the authority videos, which are on the website. Whichever one is your authority is like the MVP, the one that makes the final say. But that doesn't mean that you can't get value add or little chiming in from the other parts of your chart. Mm. And so um, you have to take all parts of you into account when you are um, becoming wise, even though your authority, your MVP is the one that gets to make all the major decisions. The other players have a say, um, which is why, you know, we on our website have different courses, different videos, I should say, for each of the different combinations. So, you know, being emotional authority with an undefined sacral works very differently in real life to an emotional authority with a defined sacral. Um, and the same with a defined spleen and undefined spleen and ego and not ego and all these different kinds of things. So um, the more you get to know your team that you can rely on and put those pieces together, understand how they interact, that's the part that's really important to me because, um, you know, we not, we're not all the same and the application of how we do it in our real life is the part that's important. What can a projector do when all invitations are drying up? Wow. Good one, right? Oh, I love this question. I knew you were going to like that one. <laughs> um, all right, so... Going again on the idea that one problem has multi-factors in it and that you have to look at what your one might be, um, you know, an invitation, well, firstly, assuming you're aligned, 
the number one reason I would say is that sometimes that's when the universe is trying to redirect you, right? So even if you were like super successful, having one like super like busy career, loads of invitations flooding in, whatever, sometimes you haven't done anything wrong except for you're ready for your next level and therefore invitations stop drying up. Because by the way, how much harder would it be to stop doing it and change your life if everything was still going great. Like none of us are going to do that, right? So sometimes it's like that kind of mechanism, I feel. Um, And then the other thing is that um, I'm assuming from this question that she or he used to have invitations and now they don't. And so um, again, it's an invitation is really truly the the exchange, the start of the exchange you have with somebody else of giving and receiving, right? So if, um, say for example, there was a need for something you were offering in one way, but then the world has moved on and they need something slightly different or a different version of it, or um, you've kind of maxed out that level of it. So you need to um, either put yourself out more or you need to add to what it is you're offering, or you need to go deeper with your own skills and your own knowledge and your own wisdom, right? That's where the energy of excellence really comes in because you have to stay ahead of the curve. You can't just rest on laurels of like, oh, it's working for now. So let me just keep um, flogging the same horse. You want to almost up-level yourself before people ask you for it, right? Because also with invitations, with any type of thing that we, any people offer in the world is that sometimes we don't know what we know or what we need before someone shows it to us, right? So you want to stay ahead of the curve and be like, okay, well, this is working really well for me. How can I make it even more extra? What else can I can I push my own bounds of what I think I can provide and offer that to people? And I do find that deepening your wisdom because it's so important as a projector to keep doing that, It's in, that's going to be also in direct proportion to the amount of invitations you're going to get. So I know that's a lot of factors, um, but hopefully one of them or more will resonate with the question asker and all the projectors out there. Okay, tips for procrastination. Ooh, okay. Um, well, I think on, go ahead. I was going to say, and maybe explain, because there's some, like, I I think procrastination isn't always a bad thing. It's kind of a, sometimes how we're designed. I know there's something to do with like the open route that you've told me about before too. So maybe even pointing to like things in the chart that might cause in quotes procrastination. That's such a good point because that's, uh, I guess it depends what you call procrastination, right? Exactly. Because is procrastination almost like, you feel an idea coming in, it's not quite percolated, you've kind of grasped bits of it, you feel your body revving up, but you're not quite ready to just that, that's not necessarily procrastination. And Explain you know, that difference. Yeah, so that is the art of waiting. That is the art of getting everything inside you aligned and tight and right and all on the same page, knowing that when you have taken the time to do that, then the action that you take from there will go so much further and will flow so much easier, right? Because you're not going to have to go back and check again and realign other parts of yourself and you know, you're not going to have the energy yet to carry it all out, or you're going to be confused about what the mission was because you didn't get your mind right or your root right or whatever it is, your instincts right, your emotions about it right, so that that creates like a lot of recircling back. And I'm happy that you brought that up because um, maybe that is what people are mistaking as procrastination. Um, Will you explain that? Because I can hear them saying, what is she talking about the open route? Why why would she say that? Yeah, so different... um, 
the thing about having an open route is that, well, explain it from your point of view. Well, I'll just repeat what I think you've told me at some point is that, and correct me if I'm wrong, because this is this really high complex stuff is I grasp bits of it. So with an open route, it's outside pressure that you need in order to take action. No. Yeah, it kind of. Kind yeah. Of. So when your root center, which is the bottom center of your chart, you can look um, to see if yours is colored in or not in the app or on our website. Um, both are just called My Human Design. Um, basically, different people have different relationships to drive. So drive is that kind of get up and go, the ability to just rev yourself. And um, that's not to be mistaken with the ability to do and produce and create. But basically, you know, what's amazing about all of us will have some open centers. I mean, some people, rare people have nine, but everything everything um, in the chart, some people will have open. And it's really basically to say that if you want to work, if you want to produce, you need other people. No yeah. one is an island, basically. So if you need to, if you feel, assuming you've gotten all aligned, you're clear on your mission, you're clear on what you want to do, you're clear on, you know, your project or your thing you have to task you have to do today or whatever for example if you have an open sacral it helps to get around other people because that revs up your productivity if you have an open route it's really difficult for you to um give yourself that get up and go without an external force for example like giving yourself a timeline or a deadline or um this outside pressure that gives you and pressure is has got such an, a negative um, connotation recently but pressure is what changes the diamonds right and so sometimes we need it if it's a if it's a good one if it's a nice consciousness one so having timelines and deadlines actually helps some people get stuff done yeah um, that's me yeah 100 percent. so it's interesting not everyone can just make themselves you know, launch into action. And similarly, you know, again, these things are so subtle because what's the difference between drive, get up and go, motivation, <laughs> productivity, they're all different. you know, they're all slightly different, but you know, the self-help world has kind of mushed them all into one thing. And so then we're not even clear which ones are right for us, not right for us, how to use them, um, when to use them, are they consistent in us, do they visit just like little visitors and then they leave. Um, so it's important to check your open centers and to understand that, you know, just because you can't make yourself do something sitting in a room, it doesn't mean that you are a procrastinator. It just means maybe you're setting up your environment wrong. Maybe you're not pulling in the right tools from the outside world to help you get stuff done. I'll say it too, because I am someone that has identified as a extreme procrastinator for almost my whole life now that I understand certain aspects of my chart like I do have an open route and I remember you telling me at one point like to set deadlines I remember even like Tommy asked you for a specific deadline with mm -hmm. something that we're working with him on because yeah. like my open route needs a, a deadline so for everyone so who doesn't know Tommy Lappy is one of our um, in-house readers and um he's helping us with something and and he literally yeah and that's what's amazing about having this language is that we can describe what we need to other people so that we can work better so he said please give me a timeline because my open route will find it easier to get it done and me i if i i can tell if i'm procrastinating because i need the extra energy boost and when i need the extra energy boost because i have an open sacral mm. i'll go 
to a coffee shop. Mm. And then sometimes I just know because my digestion is high sound and that's how I rev up my brain. I just, Mm. I need music. Yeah. It's all for various different reasons. I think just knowing yourself better helps with that. It's so, because human design is a science of how to optimize your ability to share what you came here to share in this world and your ability to be, um, you know, your most magnificent, most powerful, most capable, radiant, um, and centered self. And so it's not quite the same as like optimize your performance and max out and da da da, like, because that's not the goal either, because it's alignment over everything. But, um, you know, we still want to set up our lives and know how we specifically set up our lives to do our best work and do our best sharing with the world. The other thing I will say about procrastination, though, is that it's the associations that we have sometimes mentally with the actions that we're about to take that make us not want to do them, right? So sometimes if you're like scared of being seen in the world, your brain is going to try to keep you safe by procrastinating you. If you're scared of being successful or if you're scared of the discomfort of working hard or pushing your edge, you know, so there is a little bit of a, sometimes it warrants a bit of a conversation with your um, scared self to say like, well, what are you scared of and how can I reassure this part of me that it's going to be okay? And also it's so funny how our brains work because often we go, it's like the subconscious almost assumes like if I take this one step, then all of a sudden I'm going to be seen and actually like you can always go back on any one step. Like you don't have to, um, you know, if you take the first, making making the first move is obviously always the hardest one because that's the time when you have to pivot your inner energy the most. But, um, you know, you almost have to kind of um, give yourself the straight one sometimes in a sweet and loving way and be like, well, you're not going to be famous overnight just by recording one song. So you're safe. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I'm, it's coming to me that I should ask you this question because I feel like you'll have a good answer for us is procrastination from what I'm hearing, isn't always a bad thing. It's sometimes just something that's happening in your system. So how do we know if we're procrastinating because we're, you know, in fear or fearful of something happening or whatever, Mm. or if it's actually just a mechanism of preparing our body for the next or to take the action or whatever? I think um, if you feel almost like an anxious is not the right word, but if you feel this kind of like energy stirring up in you, but you don't know what to do with it yet, that would be the stirring, you know, that would be the first one. The actual like putting stuff off is is the fear. And also there's another thing here, which is like sharing your gifts and being your most excellent self is not easy. It, it We come here for it to be a challenge. And so of course our inner ego, our inner opponent, right, is going to say, don't worry, chill, sit on the couch, like read the news, here's TikTok, here's all these other things that you can fill your life with and your day can feel like a lot happened, but a lot didn't happen in the sense of what you added to the world, what you put out, how much you shared of yourself. And I think that's one of the things that's really dangerous about this time is that because this time is so um, expansive, it can also expand our distractions and it can also give you this illusion that there's there's so much to do and so much to put your attention on that it can almost make you feel like, I mean, so many people have burnout, but yet also don't feel connected to their purpose right so many people feel super busy but yet don't feel like the needle is moving in their lives and so sometimes you have to refocus and say 
okay, I did a lot today or I took in a lot today, but what did I put out that is lasting? You know what I mean? What did I put out that is actually contributing to what I want to snowball in my own life, right? So I think a lot of it is um, it's just the fact that that's, that's the game of this life. That's the, that's the whole movie is it's not easy. Okay, so do ego deaths happen often when you're up-leveling, like at every new stage? Yes, I think so. And when she says ego death, my understanding of an ego death is, well, I guess a part of your ego has to die because basically your ego, and we're not talking about the ego center in human design. We're talking about ego of the persona, the person you think you are, the story that you tell yourself that you have to maintain in order to, um, because you were conditioned to think that that made you loved. That was how you could manipulate circumstances so you could be safe, so you could be impressive, so you could be valuable, so you could be liked, so you could like yourself (laughs) um, for you to maintain some level of sameness. And actually when you want to grow, you have to let go of any of those old things, which were um, ties. They are actually lies about ways you have to be in order to get what you want out of life. Um, and they're ways that you actually think out your life rather than just be your real self naturally, what naturally occurs to you in any given moment. So anytime you are changing when to me an up level requires that you change yourself right it's not just changing your outside life because it's you shaping your insides first so that the outside life can the outside life change can happen so yes you do have to let go of a part of yourself that was comfortable or that you used to get stuff from um back in the day and so my answer would be yes yeah and and that's the part that's difficult is that every time you become a newer um version of yourself every time you shed an old skin it is a grief it is sad um even if something wasn't serving you but especially if it was to be able to say well I'm not gonna small in for those people and all the ramifications that might have for our relationship because me smallening used to keep us closer and therefore we might not be closer and also obviously that's a change in the outside world but who am I without my smallening I used to like the fact that I could small and I thought it was sweet or um I thought that I was being clever or it served me or it was a safety blanket um and all those things you do have to give up and that's why you know to go back to the initial um the previous question change is not easy you were saying something to me yesterday that i think goes along with this not necessarily like ego death but we were talking about something specifically that i've let go of and kind of changed about my personality and what i do in my life and how it's so strange to like have to meet this like different version of yourself Mm. and you were saying something and maybe you can be more clear about it how we create the story of who we are and these small things change along the way and we forget to, you know, update the story, update the story. Will mm-hmm. you explain what you mean about that? Because that's a little bit of an ego death where like ego is holding on to that story, even though there's things in our life that are yeah. changing. Yeah. It's our ego that continues to say, I am this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even though if you were to relook at your life and be like, wait a minute, I'm not that anymore. But that is hard because you're there's a death to that version of you yeah so exactly so you can have a death in terms of like I'm not smallening anymore and that is my behavioral change or and or um it's also in the narrative that you have about yourself that you tell yourself like I am just this kind of person or I am just that kind of person and often those are 
identities that are formed either by us when we're child in childhood or by other people right and so whether we like them or not we're used to them like oh she's just grumpy okay or let's say oh she's so it's so great let's use a good one she's it's so great she's happy all the time amazing oh my god look at our amazing child she's happy all the time and then as you get into your spiritual growth you realize actually being happy all the time is not the goal. The goal is to to feel everything, right? And that you become comfortable feeling everything. You become comfortable experiencing all of your emotions. But then you also need to update the story of not I'm this happy, clappy person all the time. You need to say, oh, I'm actually, you need to start consciously telling yourself the story of I'm a whole human being. I experience it all. Um and then you can add as many addendums as you need. That doesn't mean I'm broken. That doesn't mean I'm bad. It means that I'm fully alive, right? Um, so, and again, you know, your mind is powerful. You get to make up the stories that you tell yourself. Ideally, you want the stories to be an accurate um, version of where you are and also a very imaginative um, but believable version of where you, where you want to be, who you want to be. So it helps if... Um, if uh, all parts of you are on the same page as well. Okay, so I think people do get so confused about the wait for the invitation and invitations and stuff. So that's why we get so many different version of this versions of this question. But this is a good example of, um, I think you could help us understand what this looks like in real life. Someone saying how and slash if to ask for a promotion as a projector working for someone else. Because mm -hmm. do you have to be invited for something like that? That is a great question. I would need to probably know more about, about the situation because it would depend on, I, I would want to know this person specifically to give her the advice, but just generally, um, you know, invitations are really energetic before they're even spoken. And so I would ask like, how much does she feel already valued? Like, do they love her at the company? She says know? she loves working for them in her, in parentheses. I will, we, I love what I'm doing. She loves what she's doing. Um, that's not the invitation. But how though. do they feel about do her? Do they love her? Um, do they value her? Um, you know, and then in which case asking for a promotion would just be like a declaration of her valuing herself more and then, um, you know, putting that out into the universe. So that would be a completely different energetic thing going on. But I'd be interested to know how she feels they kind of, are they there, but they're just not saying it out loud all the way down to the other opposite side of the spectrum of like it hasn't even occurred to them or there isn't even a role there for her to fill. Um, so that's where an invitation isn't. And I often joke about this, like an invitation is not like a golden envelope that someone's going to, you know, the skies are going to open and they're going to say, please, you're amazing. Like do this for us. Like, you know, a lot of the times it's more subtle than that. And it you do have to kind of read energy in terms of people's uh, curiosity and what you have to offer and the space they have with which in themselves for it to land. So those are always the two things that make up the invitation is their desire for it and their ability to to receive it. I think that actually really answers the question. Um, okay, so this is an interesting one and I actually don't know what your answer would be to this. What age hmm. does human design start coming into play? Okay, this is a great. Like, I'm, we've I've never told you. I've never no, spoken I've, to you about this before, which is so funny because I love talking about kids. So, so, um, 
here's what's interesting. It starts from the beginning, right? Because you obviously already come in as your higher self. So the best thing to do is to enforce the correct conditioning if you're a parent, right? It's not don't do anything, leave your kids to just kind of do that. Like you want to almost reaffirm like seeing them do stuff aligned and you want to enforce that that's a good thing because they're looking to you for... Um, sometimes not always um you know when they when they do look to you for confirmation imagine kids are trying to learn how the world works they're trying to learn the rules of life right so if you know who they are it starts very early however what's interesting is that um your digestion doesn't become as your digestion is not as important until you're in your saturn return <gasps> yeah what it's, and this is especially listen if you can get people's digestion working from the beginning, amazing, right? Incredible. But given the fact that up to 28, you are literally formulating your own um, blueprint. And we are what's called Uranian beings, right? We're living so much longer now. 28 is really just the start of your life. So all that up to there is just the groundwork. So it's really funny to me as well when people talk about, well, in your 20s, you have to figure out what you want to do and this and that and blah, blah, blah. Because I think that is from previous generations where that's the age at which they did it. The evidence is showing us that that's not what's happening now, right? So it's not that your digestion is not important obviously it's incredible at any point for alignment but the four transformations which are digestion environment perspective and motivation and i'll explain those the idea is when you put the right um when you i guess construct your body the right way with the right foods right that literally like makes your cells and then you put yourself in the environments which lines you up to be in the right places at the right times perspective to be able to notice the things in life and take in the um, intel information noticings in life that are there that you're supposed to notice to formulate your genius and then have the right motivation i.e. those things that you have spent time formulating from your perspective come out of you in the right ways that's when you become a master of life so that whole process of becoming a master of life, digestion, environment, perspective, and motivation, that's what those four things are there for. And so, yes, they can help you align before then. And it's great to have, you know, good digestion anyway. But the time to really, where they kick into play is only when you get into the business of starting to, like, share your genius, right? Like, that's something you do as an adult. So those things are less important um, earlier on than just, like, honestly getting living your energy type listening to your authority those are the key and for kids I would say learning according to your profile is huge um learning according oh, to I the numbers in your agree profile more. I could not agree more really yeah just because I mean like you said the formative stages if you're trying to get a three five like me to learn the way that my mom a five one learns mm -hmm. you know the difference between a one and how a three learn mm -hmm. and we explain it in the app it if you go to your profile personality, Tells you there's everything. always bits about like how you learn in mm. there. So if you're curious, like, wait, how do I learn? It's, yeah. it's in the app. Yes, exactly. It's all there. And, um, you know, it's so funny because the more deep I go into human design, the more weight the basic things really have. And honestly, 
the lessons I get over and over again is like, okay, you think you're living your energy type this way? Go deeper. You think you've mastered waiting for the invitation? Go deeper. You think you've mastered, um, you know, your craft? Keep going. What it is you see so clearly? Keep going. What else do you see so clearly? So it's actually not about how much you know. It's about how much you flex the basics because the basics are the mechanical parts. They're the parts that move things forward the knowledge is knowing how to set it up but creating movement in your life is living your energy type and listening to your authority and again like with emotional authority I mean Taylor I learn new stuff about emotional authority and my emotional wave all the freaking time so it's very humbling <laughs>